Welcome to the Doe Valley Ministry Podcast, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Our scripture reading this morning is from Esther chapter 5, verses 9 to 14. Esther chapter 5, verses 9 to 14. This is Haman's plot against Mordecai. So Haman went out that day joyful and with a glad heart. But when Haman saw Mordecai in the king's gate and that he did not stand or tremble before him, he was filled with indignation against Mordecai. Nevertheless, Haman restrained himself and went home. And he sent and called for his friends and his wife Zeresh. Then Haman told them of his great riches, the multitude of his children, everything in which the king had promoted him, and how he had advanced him above the officials and servants of the king. Moreover, Haman said, Besides, Queen Esther invited no one but me to come in with the king to the banquet that she prepared. And tomorrow I am again invited by her, along with the king. Yet all this avails me nothing, so long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting at the king's gate. Then his wife Zeresh and all his friends said to him, Let a gallows be made, fifty cubits high, and in the morning suggest to the king that Mordecai be hanged on it. Then go merrily with the king to the banquet. And the thing pleased Haman, so he had the gallows made. So our scripture is, our message this morning is about pride. Last time we saw the courage of Esther. She knew that she had to approach the king about the slaughter, about the destruction of her people. But she also knew that if the king rejected her, she could lose her life. So she prayed and she fasted with Mordecai and the rest of the Jews and her servants for three days. Then she prepared herself. She got dressed up and she went and she waited outside the king's court. She waited to see if the king would notice her. And sure enough, the king does. But not just notice her in a physical way. Rather, the king noticed that something was wrong with her mental state or her emotions. So the king asked her, what's wrong? And Esther simply requests his presence, along with his right-hand man, Haman, at a banquet that she had prepared for them. The king agrees to go, and he has a good time. So Esther asks the king to come back again the next day for another party, for another banquet, and then she will present her request. In the meantime, this is where our scripture picks up this morning. We see Haman heading home after the first banquet. He's heading home to his family. But along the way, he sees Mordecai. And he becomes filled with that rage once again. He becomes filled with anger. Because this Jew would not bow down to him. He was able to control his anger, though. And he continued his journey to his house. And I don't necessarily believe that it was him just controlling his anger. I believe this was Satan at work once again. See, Satan has a plan too. His plan is to destroy God's chosen people. 
And if Mordecai were just, or if Haman were to go off and just kill Mordecai right here, his anger for the Jews will be subsided. And Satan will not get to see his plan go through. So he is able to control his anger. He heads on home to his house. When he got home, Haman invited some of his friends and his family over for a get-together. It is possible that God also was able to rein in Mordecai's anger here as well in order for his plan to go through. But Haman gets home and he chats with his family and friends and he starts to brag about his accomplishments, about how many children he has, about how rich he is, about how the king promoted him above everyone else in the kingdom. But not only that, even the queen invited me to a special banquet that was prepared for the king. And you know what? Tomorrow I'm going to that banquet as well. No one else was invited. Just me. But then he says, what does this matter when there is this Jew that does not honor me? So his family and and friends tell him to build a gallows and hang the Jew from it. Of course, this sounds like a good idea to Haman, so he orders it to be built. We see Haman's pride is on display here in full force. He shows off to his friends. He shows off to his family. He brags about how great he is. And it's amazing how here he is. He thinks he's so great. He's on top of the world. But yet, this little man, Mordecai, is able to bring his world crashing down and ruin his whole day just because he will not pay honor to him. It's also interesting to see how Haman's friends and family feed his pride and feed his arrogance and encourage to have Mordecai executed. So definitely, Haman was proud. Self-pride. And pride is one of those things that's tough to deal with. I mean, we all have some pride. I'm sure when uh, your children or grandchildren did well in school or had some great accomplishment, you were proud of them. And that's natural. And that's healthy. And that is godly to a certain extent. I take pride in my work. I try to do the best job that I can do given the circumstances. Sometimes I can do a better job than others, but at the end of the day when I go home, I have to believe that I did the best job that I could do. I gave it my best. But I don't do that just for me. I don't do that just so I can feel good or say, oh, you know, look how good I am. I do this for God's honor and glory. Whatever we're doing, we do to the glory of God. We are representing Christ in this world. So if we're doing the best we can do, that honors God. If we're doing the least we can do, 
that doesn't give God much honor or glory. God has given me the ability to do the things that I do. So I try to do my best for His honor. But pride can also be like a disease. Sometimes we can think that we know better than anyone and everyone else. We're experts in everything. We're never wrong. And if it turns out that we weren't right, then we just make excuses, blame someone else, and argue, rather than fessing up and saying, boy, I was wrong. That's tough for most people to do. Pride insists on being in the spotlight, being the center of attention, as we see with Haman. This usually involves elevating yourself and putting down or belittling others, causing conflict. As we know, the Pharisees love the best seats in the house, the best seats in the synagogue. Why? Because they were filled with pride, self-pride. They wanted to be up front. They wanted to be noticed. They wanted to sit in the seats of honor. Jesus tells us that the proud love to hear praises from people. And of course, we know from God's Word that that will be their only reward. They will get no heavenly acclamations for that. The opposite of pride is humility. And we've talked a great deal about that as we were studying through the Gospel of Mark. The humble person may never hear a praise from others while here on earth, but we know they will receive their reward in heaven. God hates pride. Pride made sin a reality way back in the Garden of Eden. Proverbs 8.13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the way and the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. Pride is dangerous. Self-pride is dangerous to the Christian. The Apostle Paul was a great example of a humble servant of God. And God kept him humble. He kept him from becoming proud. And as we know, Paul was a Hebrew of Hebrews. He was as Jewish as you could get. He had the perfect upbringing. He had the perfect Jewish training in the faith. And then he is converted by Christ to Christ, to Christianity. And Paul goes around the country. He teaches, he preaches, and he lives the gospel. He sets up many churches. He leads many churches. He oversees the spiritual growth of many, many people. And he's inspired to write about half of the New Testament. Talk about a man that could have pride. It was him. But Paul knew that all of this stuff that he was doing was not him. He knew that it was God using him to do these things. 
And Paul knew that God was keeping him humble. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthian church, he mentions that thorn in his side, the thorn in his flesh. We don't know exactly what that thorn was, but it caused Paul trouble. It caused him grief. And Paul prayed and begged God to remove this thorn in his flesh. But God would not do it. God didn't do it to be mean to Paul. But God did it as a way to keep Paul humble. A way to keep him from from being filled with pride. Pride seems so natural for us today. And as I mentioned, we're all proud of certain things, especially our children. But listen to some conversations this week, if you're out anywhere. And I suspect you'll notice some things, and it kind of makes me chuckle whenever I hear these conversations at work. But someone tells a story about something. And chances are good that that story doesn't even get to be finished, and the other person is already trying to tell them a better story from their life. It's constant, back and forth. Someone's trying to always one-up someone else. They're more proud of their story than they are of listening to someone else. And I'm not saying that's always a bad thing, but it's part of our culture. Is we don't, As a culture, we don't listen too much. We want to talk. We want to tell other people their stories. And, you know, one of the easiest ways to be a friend to someone, just listen to them. And they'll come back to you and come back to you and come back to you when you listen. The other thing is, as you're listening to these people, don't feed their pride like Haman's family did. When you hear someone boasting about something, Simply say, wow, God has really blessed you when they're so proud of whatever it is they're proud of. And also look at yourself. Examine your heart this week. Look at your actions. Look at your attitudes. And see if there's any hint of self-pride in them. As I said, sure, we're all proud of certain accomplishments. But is it you performing that accomplishment? Or is it God working through you? And I always found it amusing listening to some of my friends talk about how they work on a project. or And I've had this happen to me too. They figure something out and they go obviously report into their boss. And then their boss takes the credit for it as he goes to the head boss and say, here's what we come up with. Here's the solution to the problem. And that is frustrating, no doubt. That is upsetting. And if you're that boss, that's not what you should be doing. You should give credit to your workers. Say, here's what our team came up with. And in particular, the head person on this team, so-and-so, they were able to figure out this issue. So look at your actions. Look at your attitudes. Listen to people. Listen to their conversations. And pray that God will do whatever He needs to do in your life to remove any pride that may be evidenced. 
Let us close with a prayer this morning. Lord, so often in this world today, we're focused on ourselves. And we forget all things come from you. Thank you for blessing us in so many ways. Give us your vision for our lives. And enable us to see any pride that may be in our life. And help us to remove it. Help us to humbly serve you wherever we go. Amen.